0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to Music Therapy and Beyond. Kristen here to help end the month of May with our fifth bonus episode. If you've been around the podcast, you know we follow a schedule for our episodes each month. But on those magical months where we get five Mondays, like May 2022... We get to do a bonus, and so I have invited another dear friend to join me to speak about all of the things. Molly is an incredible friend and simply an incredible human I can't wait for you to meet. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to remind you that over at our website, we have some very thoughtful and intentional products we've put together for you, most of which are $4 or less as well as a great freebie full of chance to be used in just about any setting. These products and freebies are not just for music therapists. Many of them can be used by teachers and counselors, OTs, PTs, speech therapists, and even parents and caregivers. So consider checking those out. We hope that they are as helpful for you as they are for us. Now, The other thing is that we are nearing 1,000 followers on our Instagram account, which seems so crazy for us. And we really want to celebrate and we hope you will too. So keep your ears and eyes out for how we're going to do that in the next couple weeks. Also, if you aren't following us on Instagram, please head over and check us out at music therapy and beyond. Finally, a reminder that all the links and resources from this episode will be available wherever you listen in the show notes. We also had a little bit of an issue with some of the sound in this episode, so please pardon that. Thank goodness Molly's audio came through Zoom just fine, but I had some issues with my audio input on my side. So thank you for understanding that technology has a mind of its own sometimes. So let's meet Molly. Molly Myers is a certified child life specialist with her bachelor's in human development and family studies and a concentration in early childhood education. Molly is a mama on the go with four young children, including one with very special needs. Her days are full by nature. On top of all of that, she is a fitness instructor with multiple certifications, including Pilates and Pure Bar, and most recently is working towards certification for trauma-informed yoga therapy. Molly spent three years working as an early childhood educator in local child-centered preschool programs Before becoming the world's most hands-on and energetic mama, which is totally true, Molly has spent several years as a certified child life specialist at University of Missouri's Women and Children's Hospital. In addition, Molly is a pivotal member of Kindred Collective, a local wellness collective where she leads family enrichment activities and programming, among many other roles. Beyond her support of her own son, Molly's advocacy efforts have extended to the legislative arena at the state level as well. Molly is a founding member and board member of the Misery Disability Empowerment Foundation and is the upcoming president of our local special education PTA. In sum, Molly is dedicated to motivating others to find their own strength and potential. Molly says in quotes, each and every day, I strive to foster each of my children's interests, strengths, and desires while balancing the needs for the entire family unit. End quotes. You will hear much more about this in our interview. Molly is also Kate Weir's sister who, if you listen to our episodes in April, was on the April Learning episode number 56, talking about the heart of play. So, check that out, episode number 56. When I met both of these women, I knew we were gonna be friends for life, and I can't wait for you to meet and learn from Molly today. So, let's get to the episode. Well, Molly, welcome to Music Therapy and Beyond, our podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. It has been a long time coming and our whole team was like, we have to have Molly on the podcast. So we're so excited you're here. Welcome. Thank you. It is truly an honor to be asked to be
1: here on your podcast.
0: Yay! Well, we always like to start, um, you know, with the awkward question and uh, everything to get started in the podcast of where did you come from? What's your background? How did you come to be where you are right now in your life? What were you like as a child? And kind of the turns that your life took to get you to here, human development and early childhood and becoming a child life specialist and being where you are now, which is a mama a mama on the go. So tell us all.
1: Well, this is a very big question. (laughs) And as you already put out there, it is a little awkward. Like where do I start? So we'll just jump in and I, um, I'll start presently and then move ourselves backwards. I am a full-time mom of four kiddos And as I got to that journey, um, having a large family is really just like normal to me. I grew up as the youngest of four and then had the honor to become part of a blended family. And so now when people ask me, I always answer that I am the youngest of six siblings. Um, And so it's really comfortable to me to kind of, um, I say chaos chaos, not as kind of in a bad way, but just like it is so normal for me to thrive and love and gravitate towards a more chaotic schedule because I think that's all I've ever really known. So as I mentioned, as a kid, um, I was the youngest in my family and we we had lots of life experiences. Um, And so that kind of put me putting... As a kid, in a lot of medical situations that maybe others weren't, um, both myself personally and then family members. Um, And so early on, I really felt safe at hospitals. I think when you experience medical um, trauma, that either you kind of start to get worried and afraid of hospitals, or you just really find it as a safe spot. So um, I was one of those that really looked that hospitals were helpers um, and things were going to be okay in the medical field. Um, With that, I grew up with a family full of educators. My mom was a kindergarten teacher. uh, My dad was a college professor. My stepdad was a college professor. And my stepmom was a college professor. So education was always just such a foundation in our family, um, and especially child centered education. So we lived in a very child centered house. My mom, as a kindergarten teacher, everything had a little element of magic or a little element of, um, you know, how can we take the mundane and make it into a learning experience? Um, and everything just kind of had a little underlaying of like, as I got older, and I roll, like, oh my gosh. Mom, no, but just kind of that's the background we lived in that everything was just a little goofy, a little silly, a little sing-songy. And this is just how we did it. So anyways, with my background kind of as a kid, education being so big and hospitals being so big, when I got to college, I set out to college that I either wanted to be a nurse or a teacher. And I will never forget um, my sister, Kate calling me one day when she was in college, I was not quite yet there saying, Molly, I found your profession. I found it. It's it's doing the both things that you love. Um, So when I started college, I entered as um, going the child life specialist route. So that is, um, I ended up with a human development and family studies emphasis of early childhood education and child life. So it was really cool going through um, college because being a child life specialist is basically you're the liaison between families and kids and doctors and nurses in the hospital. So you serve the role of taking anything medical and really helping to break it down for the um, child and family to understand it and process and kind of get through it. So um, there's a lot of elements of helping them become regulated in an environment that's really scary. A lot of elements of distraction, of, you know, teaching kind of exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and how it's going to feel. Um, so kind of just helping families and patients understand because, It can be scary when you hear what's going on and the sounds, the smells, the noises. um, It's all really dysregulating. Um, And it's also so unfamiliar to people. So I was a child life specialist. um, I have been a preschool teacher. I Then when I started having kids of my own, I decided that my full-time hat I wanted to be was mom. And so... Through all of this, kind of taking care of um, mind, body, spirit, while I was going through college, I had a bunch of back problems that I couldn't figure out. So I had started to take Pilates. And through that, I had found relief and had also gotten certified as a Pilates instructor. So I've always on the side done that. So when I started having kids, I decided to step into that a little more and have my own business so that I could flex and change to, um, the needs of being a mom and, or incorporate my kids into being mom. If my kids needed to sit downstairs while I was having clients, then they sat downstairs while I was having clients. Um, and so then since then, um, we've just, We've had a lot of different seasons and I've got my feet and hands and a lot of different things. Um, and I don't, I don't know, I'm getting a little awkward here. So I'll let Kristen know exactly where the journey she wants us to go next. Well, the truth, Molly, is that we could go in a million different directions because there's so much richness in your history and in your current and present life that we could talk about that would just. Um, encourage and inspire our listeners, but I do think one of the most um, important things about you is that aspect of you being a mama and the journey that you've had with having a child that has very special needs, and um, also being a mama of twins that we're also in the NICU, and so there is so much growth taking all of this history that you've had, all of this education, and then just really. Preparing you to be the incredible mom that you are. So, if you wanted to just share, maybe a little bit more about that journey, your journey of of um, motherhood, so to speak, if you're comfortable with that, I would love to share more of that journey. I am a hundred percent comfortable, and um, I had shared with Kristen that you know we all have self doubt sometimes, and I had shared with her that you know, oh, Kristen, I'm not really sure. I'm an expert for, you know, <laughs> anything you want me to talk about, but I will say, I do feel like I am an expert on my kiddos and motherhood. So I feel totally comfortable going down this route. Um, So I became pregnant with my first child, Will, and I had, um, and Will is 11 now. So this was 11 years ago. Um I had, and I always say this because everybody's um journey is so different with pregnancy mm-hmm. and um leading up to pregnancy and fertility. So um I I just so honor that and all I can speak about with each experience is my own. And uh Will was a desired baby. And so when I finally got pregnant with Will, um, I was so relieved. It was it was a healthy pregnancy. It was um, a happy pregnancy. There were no red flags during my pregnancy. Um, I when we delivered him, we always laugh. We delivered him in the blizzard we had of 2011. We stayed oh in a hotel. <laughs> across from the hospital because um there were so many mamas at the hospital that they couldn't quite admit me yet um i was just a little short of by the numbers what they needed to get me in a bed oh my so we always talk about our blizzard baby that we stayed in the hospital which we did the next morning need to go across the road and so delivery was great no red flags had a happy healthy beautiful baby and so um the journey of motherhood started and it was everything that I had ever wanted um as a kid when people would ask me what I wanted to be I simply would say a mom um and so I was so excited to step into that role and to do it so Will was the happiest baby um he was so interested by people and um he just he just loved people. He was fascinated by just staring at people. Um, so starting about three months though, because again, with my background of child development and working in the hospital with kids, at about three months, I just did begin to question um his kind of developmental projection. Babies develop at all different pieces. Kids develop at all different pieces. So it was nothing that I was stressed about at that point. It was nothing that I was, oh oh my gosh. It was on my radar though, that certain little things just weren't happening. And Will had every opportunity. Um, He had the developmentally appropriate toys, tummy time, all the things he was given to thrive. Um, And so by six months... I really started to question with our pediatrician. We talked about it at three months, but both of us were like, he's so happy. he's everything looks great. We'll just keep going. So by six months, um, things that you would typically see, will was not rolling over. he was not grasping objects. Um, just some very foundational development things weren't going on. So our pediatrician agreed with us at that point that, you know, yeah, this is starting to track lagging behind and not Mm -hmm. necessarily their own development, just because most of the milestones weren't being met. Mm -hmm. So we said at nine months, we'll really start investigating. Let's give them three more months, you know? And so by nine months still there hadn't been a change. And so at this point I was really starting to wonder, you know, you can't help, but let your brain Mm -hmm. get away from you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep the what could be's, the what's going on, um, all of that. So we got in with um, a developmental specialist and made all those appointments. And right around the time Will was one, we had an MRI done of his brain um, because that was the route they instructed us to do. Because again, nothing physically, nothing kind of like biologically, blood work, all of that was... Um, giving us any answers. So I'll never forget, I was still working my job at the hospital and I was at the hospital the day that the phone call came in. And I knew enough to know um, when the doctor calls you and says, would you like to come to my office? That the news isn't what you want it to be. Um, And I told her no, that I was frozen. I could not move and I needed to know right then what was going on. So anyways, um, I'll never forget the way she told me too, which has carried through in life, like always acknowledging people and communicating and treating everyone just as a human. Cause that's what it is. You know, it's easy when we get in our jobs that it becomes just, business per usual to have to give lab results, business per usual to have to do this. Um, but I'll never forget her saying, you know, Molly, I just want to acknowledge that this is not the phone call I wanted to make. Um, it's not It's not the worst news, but it's not at all what we wanted. I wanted to report no findings to you. Um, so anyway, she told me that Will had um, partial agenesis corpus callosum. Even working in the medical world, I literally had no idea what that meant. Um, and so I just was shocked. Like, I don't even know. And I remember just saying that kind of like, I acknowledged with you guys, this is kind of awkward. I was like, what in the world is that? And what does that mean? And what does that do? And what, what mm-hmm. is it? Yeah. So basically Will is missing a third of the middle portion of his brain. Um, so right then and there. We began at a year old, an intense therapy routine, and we have never let go of that Mm -hmm. routine. That is our life. That is Will's medicine. There is no medicine that can make a brain grow back, um, but our therapy is how Will continues to develop and grow. So when you're missing the middle portion of your brain, you lack communication between the right. And the left hemispheres. So we have had to build those pathways of communication for will. So that's why he wasn't doing any reaching for things because his left and his right brain didn't know how to communicate. That's why. So anything that crosses midline. So if you're wondering what still is she talking about? Anything that crosses midline. So that's eating, that's talking, That's walking, that's getting dressed, that's grabbing your notebook and writing in it. Anything that crosses midline, Will needed to learn a pathway for his body to communicate how to do it. So um, I remember, and I always share openly with people, um, I tend to like to see the glasses half full, um, but it's not realistic to always be that way. Um, so I do remember, and it still makes me emotional. Um, I remember hanging up the phone and just literally asking why, um, why us? And l- as soon as I actually said that out loud, cause I do that, I talk to myself out loud. I should keep it all in my head, but sometimes, it no. sometimes you just have but to enough. process out loud. Yes, you do. Um, Good. And so the second that I put it out there, out in the open, um, I was met, met back with just so in my heart, why not, why not us? We know where we need to go. I know the developmental kind of trajectory we need to look at. Um, and I just flipped it around in my head and through the whole journey, I've kind of said that um with will lots of things take extra explaining so that's even going to the dentist um Mm -hmm. it's all of the medical stuff and so i love that i know my bag of tricks for distractions from working in the hospital i knew who to call to get the pre-op prep book when will did have to go To the operating room so he and I could read our book for weeks before we went. Um, So I've always kind of taken that attitude of, but you know, why not? And I'm so glad that I have the education, the background, and the childhood experiences to pull forward, to draw from. Like I have this tool belt that I could bring forward. Now I don't have all the answers, and I have a village, a village of therapists and uh, physicians and family and friends and specialists um, that are awesome to work with and that all of us combined do. So I fast forward, that's kind of Will in a nutshell. I know that was all really fast. There's five more hours of stuff I could talk on (laughs) with that. Um, But fast forward to wills a year. We're starting therapy. We're realizing that, um, we are in Holland. If any of you, um, would like to know that reference, Google the poem, um, welcome to Holland. It's a great way to kind of talk about when you're, when you're expecting to go somewhere and life takes you somewhere else. Um, and so would love to kind of, so, you know, we're trying to figure out you know the plane has taken us to a different destination than we thought, and we're we're refinding our tour books and all of that. Um, I got pregnant again and found out I was pregnant with twins, which was amazing and shocking. Uh, overwhelming, so i sure. Yes, in life, both and is something that um, just happens both and and so anyways were again i was having a really healthy pregnancy um everything was moving along and it was at this point where i decided to stop working at the hospital because i decided that having um i was about to have three kids under the age of two and my priorities needed to be at home and again will at one he was not um sitting on his own. He was not walking yet. Um, so we were kind of, we were just at a different stage than what you think of this, like a one-year-old. Um, and so everything went great in my pregnancy. And then one day I was just shy of 31 weeks. I had had my Pilates clients and I told all of my clients, I'm just going to sit on the exercise ball. I'm just feeling a little off today." Um. And I went in for a doctor's appointment later that afternoon, and I was immediately admitted to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in labor. Um, And so I always tell people I feel so silly because I've been through this before with Will. Like, how did I not know I was in labor? But I think it's so important that we acknowledge, especially as moms, as women, that sometimes we're so tuned in to others' needs that we write our own experience off as not that big of a deal. And so sitting here nine years from that experience, I can say I absolutely was having contractions. But in my head, I thought, well, I've never been pregnant with twins before. Maybe Braxton Hicks are more intense. Maybe you know um and so anyways I just openly share that with people that I was the person who was in active labor and was just thinking it was all right this isn't this is this is fine so anyways it was really it was really scary because um I had never been away from Will and I you know Will needed so much extra assistance. And so here I am, he's at, I say I'd never been away. He went to, you know, I worked, but as far as like primary caregiver for him. So he was at his babysitter's. I got admitted to the hospital. Um, It was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying, not knowing what was going on. And oh my gosh, here I am going to have preemies. Um, And again, I draw on the fact that I knew outcomes for preemies. I knew that our outcome would probably be good. I knew the stuff from working at the hospital. um, And it was still really scary. And it was comforting because I knew the team that would be coming into the delivery room. I knew the team of nurses that were going to be taking care of my babies. Mm -hmm. Um, So they tried every which way to stop labor, but didn't. And so I delivered two... Uh, what they called big babies for 31 weekers, a three pound and 15 ounce and a three pound and 12 ounce, (laughs) two twin girls. um, I, we delivered that day and they were put into the NICU. And so then a new journey started with us. Um, You know, they say as a mom that you just never know your heart can swell so many times. You have a baby and your heart grows. That baby goes to kindergarten and your heart grows, like your heart just keeps growing with them. Um, and so my heart both swelled so big. And it was so sad because then I was in a spot of having to decide. The two babies in the NICU needed my heartbeat. They needed as much kangaroo care. They, I needed to be with them to produce milk and to give them breast milk to have through their little tubes. Um, And Will needed me to get him to therapy and Will needed me to a hundred times practice picking up his spoon and putting it down so that he could grow and develop and keep Making progress. Um, so it was a tough 55 days. Um, I am so grateful that I had babies that were doing okay in the hospital. But to leave the hospital after you deliver babies without your babies is not natural. Um, it is not a natural occurrence. So we learned our new routine, and luckily, we had some—we had a bunch of hiccups in our NICU journey. But luckily, um, we we had feeders and growers, so they just needed to simply learn how to hold their body temperature, and grow, and learn how to eat. Um, a cool part of that story is at the time. My husband was working for the hospital and was working in telehealth. And so, before all of Zooms and all of this was kind of, um, I don't know, more mainstream, you know, like it's nothing for us to think of like to Zoom or to do this. Um, He was piloting a program. And so, we were able to use that as a pilot in the NICU. So, we were able to use iPads um, to connect in to our girls, um, Mm. or to read to them or to play a lullaby that they heard every night in my belly as I would put Will to bed. Um, and so again, it was one of those moments of this is so hard and we have a tool belt, um, which, which was really, you know, you just have to hold on to those little pieces of hope. Um, a lot of times I'm kind of bouncing here, but like, with my kids, we talk a lot because it's so easy to get lost in what I don't have or what hasn't gone right in our day because those moments, they leave such a void in us and they the big feelings are so hard to process um, and those big frustrations kind of like produce really big emotions. And so it's easy to let those shadow each experience. And so I really um I challenge myself because I'm not perfect at it and I really challenge my kids to let's look for the small moments of the day because I promise those small moments of relief, hope, happiness, kindness. There are so many small moments of that in our day and in our experiences. And you have to find them and acknowledge them so that they outweigh those big bursts of this isn't fair, this isn't okay, Mm -hmm. and ugh. Ugh. So, you know, we we tried to look at that. So (sighs) fast forward to we bring those sweet girls home, um, and I start to navigate life as a mom of three kids um, under two years old, that all three at that time have special needs. Um, mm-hmm. Layla and Susie, their special needs at that time were to be fiercely protected and fiercely watched to make sure that all the progress they had made we didn't come down from. So it's um, I say this not lightly at all, but I say this that like when um, when spring of 2020 hit and all of us were blindsided. By pandemic life. Um, I took Layla and Susie home from the NICU in January. And from January until about May, unless it was a therapy visit for Will or a doctor's appointment for any of the three of them, we essentially were shelter in place at home. We um, could not risk having Layla and Susie get influenza. We could not risk having any kind of any of that enter. And so it was challenging because it was challenging to ask for help and to receive help when your primary goal is to be fiercely protective of health. Um, So we started our journey and it was an interesting journey because where Will was developmentally, a lot of things they started to match up with. So a lot of times I said, that it felt like triplets, because no one was moving, and then suddenly I had three kids that were starting to crawl, all of them moving. to walk, oh to open the cabinets. And yeah. so oh my gosh! We kind of we would laugh that you know, oh my goodness, and I also think that. Having the role model, I think peer role models are so important. Um, mm-hmm. This is another area I could go on and on about. But you know, Layla and Susie have been some of Will's greatest models. Yeah. And it's amazing when kids start to do something, other kids follow. And so it was an amazing thing to kind of watch watch them become his teachers, and then have him teach them things. So it became a really cool dynamic. And a lot of times we talk about in our house, the little sisters are the big sisters sometimes. And so we call them the little big sisters. Um, And it's such an interesting dynamic which this is another subject we could go on about, but, you know, it's it's very interesting when kind of the sibling hierarchy where you think oldest, yeah. middle, youngest, oldest, youngest, um, it's such an interesting dynamic to watch when those roles have to be shifted. Shifted. Mm-hmm. And then when there's a realization that those roles are shifted and try to empower back to the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um And I'm, I'm not a big person on like hierarchy and this and that, but it is, I do think it's a natural evolution for siblings and the way that they line up and how that works and their self-efficacy and how they feel they fit in the family. Um, So that's been something fun to watch. But before I get too much farther, I cannot leave out our youngest. Um, So Fast forward to we're trekking along here, and um, I become pregnant with our youngest Sadie. And so, when Sadie entered the picture, we had um, four kids, five and under. Um, actually, for about a cup, for a little, for a few months, we had four four kids, four and under. So we became and learned our new norm. Again and mm-hmm. um learned kind of what that looks like and how to navigate all of that. So I joke that while Will and Layla and Susie, because of where Will was developmentally when Layla and Susie were born, um the whole first life year of life for Layla and Susie were kind of doing therapy with Will. So mm-hmm. it was such an intense focus on. Um, developmental milestones. And yeah. so, rigid, I don't love the word rigid, but so rigid in what we need to do to get everybody where they need to go. Yeah, um, and then we laugh that for Sadie's survival, she lived in my Moby wrap and then my ergo for the entire first year of her life, so much that when, It was about to be her one-year-old doctor's appointment and I panicked and all the other three were asleep and I put her on the ground and like ran her through like basically a developmental assessment to see if she had any skills because I was like, she is literally always attached to me and she did and it was fine, but it was one of those moments of, oh my gosh, oh, maybe I haven't given her enough of X, Y, Z, so... Again, just sharing that, like, you know, we just do the next right thing in parenthood and the next thing for everyone. And it looks different between kids. It looks, uh, it's complicated and it's complex and there's, I don't know. I'm here we are getting a little yeah. awkward, but it's just like I just say that because I think so many times we question ourselves, are we doing enough? Mm-hmm. You know, are we doing too much? Are we doing and it's it's all enough. It's all we're doing. Yeah. If we're doing the absolute best that we can, then we're doing it. And it's well, gonna look messy, it's not gonna look textbook, it's it's gonna be hard. Some days are so hard and it's all beautiful. It's not textbook. I mean, that's, that's a great way to say it. It's fly by the seat of your pants with all of the tools that you have, building resilience in your you know, children and in your family. And also somehow in all of that, trying to find opportunities for enrichment. And so I think you are a master at this. I know that you don't think that you are, but I, from the outside, you are. What are some nuggets that we can give families who are feeling in a very similar place where they are just overwhelmed? Um, And also some nuggets that not just parents, but clinicians that we can think about would be good to, to provide in our therapies, um, to provide encouragement and resources for our families who are maybe in this, in this stage of life. And again, not just like immediate postpartum, but you are, you have nine and, and 11 year olds. And so, you know, like you're still using these strategies and you're still learning. So I would just love to pick a about What, what can we do? What have you learned? I, I would love to share What's the magic uh, you have. And, uh, I, I sure do love magic. I'm not sure that I always <laughs> have the right magic. But I think that right there, um, and people who know me, we laugh about this with me, but I think that's it right there, is how can you instantly create magic? Um, And it doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't have to be dramatic. And I know that sounds so silly, because like, if I were listening to this, I'd be like, what? Instantly create magic? no one has their shoes you know, like, but I, that's a big feat, right? (laughs) But I think that instantly creating magic is exactly, it goes back to that distraction piece, right? Like um, first, and I I really will answer that. I would like to touch really quick on what Kristen said about all the different therapists that could be listening to this. Um, You know, we, as Kristen mentioned, Um, music therapy has been a huge part of our life and music has been such um, a lifesaver to us and transitions and regulation. Um, Our speech therapist, our physical therapist, our occupational therapist, um, we do equine therapy. Um, It just kind of the list goes on and on. And the one thing that I would want any therapist Listening to this, to know that has been integral, like just a big, like turn key point for us in our journey is it has always been for will, but about our family system. And so I think for anyone, the global picture, there are so many things that we could have done. That would have just benefited Will. But the people that have been placed in our life to look at the whole family system, including one of our occupational therapists, at the time we were doing it um, in OT clinic at MU, and the professor told the group of students, um, you must look at their entire family system. If you are giving homework for mom to practice with Will, How does that fit in to the entire family system? She has four kids. Mm -hmm. So is it realistic? Is it helpful? And how do you involve everyone? And so that I would really encourage um, as as a way to look at serving your client, Mm -hmm. as a way to look at serving the family is, you know, how do you involve everyone? And how do you help? the sibling relationship. So sometimes the homework was Mm. sister brother related. Sometimes the homework was mom will. Sometimes the homework was myself and all four kids because all four kids, even if the developmental milestone we were working on, or even if the girls could say the speech, the taking turns, that is this in my control or out of my control? And the teamwork was foundational. So it didn't matter the skill we were doing, it mattered that we were learning basic kind of social skills and working together. Um, and so we found great, great success in that. Um, And so I would just encourage all of you to think about that, you know, and I'm sure that feels really daunting. It's daunting enough to have a client load and every client is different and different needs. Um, But I would just encourage you to look at it as instead of added work, as bonus work. Um, Bonus work and really how you're going to get your client to the next level the quickest. If the family can't sustain doing what needs to be done outside of session, then it's going to take you lots and lots more sessions to get where you need to go. Yeah. yeah. Um. So 100%. I would just that's something that's near and dear to my heart is we have just like the whole family has benefited from it. It's been therapy for the whole family, um, mm-hmm. and then that also became a way where the family unit. So sisters weren't bitter and mad that why are we always at therapy? Why is everything we do going to Wills? Because they knew when we went to PT, they got to play the candy guessing game. They knew that when we went to speech, they got to, you know, be included in the final activity, which was going to the playground. They knew that when we came to music, they got to participate in music too, so I just say that um, as as it just it helps serve everyone. Um, yes, yes, hundred percent. Yeah, and so and it takes a lot of patience. I mean, when we went to therapy care we came instead of just child for therapy and the parent or caregiver. Five people came into a small treatment room. And what do you do with that? Um, it can be, it can be distracting and it can be helpful in every single session. It was both. And yes. And I love that what you're saying, because not only is that really an important aspect for us to, as, as clinicians, uh, for us to, to see that, that lens. The and is we get to see a glimpse of what every day looks like. And so as clinicians, we can then see, okay, this is a glimpse of what this looks like. How can I modify this? So they're able to practice this at home because as therapists, we know when you come in and you see us for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour a week, that's wonderful. But really those are modeling sessions. Those, especially when you're working with kids, because that has to be um, followed through at home, especially in Will's situation where he had to create those new pathways. I'm so glad that you added that because that's just the pivotal part of this. Yes. And that's just it. And, you know, um, I've talked, I mean, I could talk about every person, but because this is the podcast we're on, Kristen, I'm going to talk about you. Uh (laughs) Um, I remember, I remember we were doing music therapy and I remember being in tears talking to Kristen because transitions were so hard for us, Mm -hmm. ending an activity and getting into the car. And with the schedule we keep, we get in and out of the car so many times a day. And I remember it just, it fell apart every time. And I was getting to the point, I have never been one. I just take the four kids everywhere. Don't even think about it. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's awful. The other day someone said, I just don't know. You make it look so easy. And I said, Oh my gosh, please go request the parking lot cam from Target. Like you saw (laughs) me in this moment. Um, this is not this you caught me. We had a yeah, we had a great moment, and I'm so grateful for it. They're not all bad, they're not all good. It's like the ocean. The experiences come and go. And so um, I just always like to be clear, you know, to people that, you know, it's kind of like social media. You get to see the snapshot of where all the things aligned and you had a snapshot of a great moment. Um, The Pinterest Pinterest
0: picture of it.
1: That's right. You've got the Pinterest um, look at it, but you know what? I couldn't take a picture when everyone was falling apart because my phone had been knocked out of my hand clear across the park and... I don't know how to take a picture with my toes. My hands were busy, so right. you know I always say that that like that's the real and the raw we just can't always capture. Um, but you know I was in tears with Kristen, and I just remember talking to her. Well, I couldn't talk. I mean, I think I was like sobbing and blowing my nose and trying to get out the words that we need help with transitions and what can she do and. Um, I remember trying to get these words out and we were leaving music and I was a mess, which obviously was not helping regulate my kids at all. Um, and I remember Kristen just starting to sing and she didn't give me any direction. She didn't give anything. She just started to beautifully sing. And I, all of a sudden realized all my kids were at the car with no issues. The doors were open. I was buckling everyone in and Kristen was still singing. And I just literally remember like being like, it's that simple. Kristen created instant magic. I didn't have my thinking brain on. My kids didn't have their thinking brain on. And Kristen created instant magic. She sang a song. It gave us a starting point. It gave us a stopping point. It gave me time to get out of my emotional self and to re regulate. My regulation re regulated the kids. And there was nothing that could have been said in that moment. None of us were listening, but the ability to regroup sing a song, get to the car. Um, And to this day, I use music in all transitions. Sometimes it's a dedicated song that Kristen taught us. (laughs) And sometimes it is literally the first thing that pops into my head and whatever words go with it. But it gets us all on the same path. And it gives us all, you know, sometimes hurry up (laughs) is what the adults need to say because we're watching the time. Mm -hmm. And that is the last thing that kids need to hear. Mm -hmm. And so it helps us adults, you know, not add to the frenzy of the situation by having words to say a singing song. Mm -hmm. And it helps the kids know that, oh, this means we're leaving the park. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I'm not sure if I explained that very well. No, you did. That's what I mean by instant magic is it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to even be thought out. But in the moment, what's needed. Um, And that's something I've really had to step into. Like, oh my gosh, that's kind of silly. I'm not sure I can just sit on the floor and target. But when I've learned that instant magic of joining people where they are, it's okay if people are looking at us. People are always going to be looking at people. Um, And you know, that's, that's the harder part. When kids are younger, two, three, four, five, That's really fun to them. Like all of a sudden you're sitting on the floor looking at the Barbie doll, which is preventing the meltdown. You know, you're asking some questions and then you're able to transition out of it. Um, As my kids get older, um, my nine-year-olds struggle sometimes with me bursting out into song in the middle of Target. (laughs) They struggle with me and Will sitting in the middle of the mall. Um, And I get that. And I think that is something we have to learn to navigate to. Mm -hmm. Is how do you meet everyone where you are um, and do the things? So some instant magic things that I think of is, um, I'm just kind of going to top of the head. Yes. And if there's things that you can suggest, to parents or things, even as a clinician, you know, some um, Will has been interesting journey because a lot of his therapists have learned a lot from him too. And every child is so different. But the minute that Will gets bored or the task feels too hard, he is going to try every which way to get out of it. And so, being able to kind of be ahead of them or kind of have a surprise element, um, surprise things or instant magic um, bubbles always have bubbles um yeah bubbles (laughs) are always great have two or three turnkey songs in your brain that you can just either sing them soft sing them loud sing them silly do some crazy dance moves with Mm -hmm. um surprise it's surprise like surprise talent act um And I am not comfortable singing. I also want to let people know that I believe I might be tongue deaf. I'm not really sure. Um, But I definitely um, was not a comfort zone. And now it's one of those things that it really doesn't matter. doesn't matter what it is. Put your heart and soul in it. And sometimes the more awful it sounds, the better for that surprise element in the moment. I was going to say. Yeah. If it works, you use it. Yep. Sometimes, yeah. That's gonna hold um, the attention.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Um surprise grab bags. In a surprise grab bag, this got us in and out of the car a lot of times. Um again, a tip I picked up from one of our therapists, brown paper sack. It doesn't matter what is in there. It can be um, you know, if they're age appropriate, a piece of gum, it can be one of those like you know, silicone bracelets, um, it can be uh a toy no one's playing with. I mean, whatever, literally it can be anything surprise grab bag. First person in the seat Mm. with their seatbelt on gets to pick the first prize, second, third, fourth, um, or reverse it, you know, last person to get their seatbelt on. Um, you know, it kind of depends. You have to feel your audience on that one. Um, but depending on that, um, and so sometimes we would do the last person because, we needed everybody to have success in doing it and different motor skills, different levels, Mm -hmm. you know, so kind of feel yourself out on that. So surprise bags, bubbles, songs, um, same thing we've done, like stalling to get in the car. How many times is it like, okay, please just get in the car, you know, just please, you know, you're standing there, everyone else is in. um, Baby shark really loud coming through the speakers. They'll want you to make it stop. Um, And so it's amazing how fast they'll get in. So you'll see a lot of things I do are music. Um, Also tactile um, touches. So meaning in transitions or instant magic, um, a quick rainstorm on your back, you know? Oh my gosh, it looks like, boy, it looks like your engine is running really fast. And it looks like, your body feels like this and karate chop down the back and, you know, then right. ease it down to slow. So, yeah. you know, Oh man, you know, my engine feels like this and do it on the child, you know, or like a slow engine and then help them regulate by that fast yeah. kind of standard slow. Well, we um, call that the ISO principle. We use it. With some oh, and so okay. you you meet the child where they are, the individual where they are musically. Well, we do it musically, but you can do it sensory as well. It's, it's the same sort of process. Um, but yeah, the iso principles where we start where they are and you slow them bring down them down, you know, to a more regulated state. Um but I love what you're saying about the sensory because that's been a really big part for Will. But it's all but one of the things that I think Gets lost in our society is the need that we all are either sensory seeking or sensory avoiding, and so knowing our own sensory profiles is really important. Um, so sensory is yeah, a really, really big. One. Yeah. I'm taking all the notes right here. yeah we will put all of this in the show notes as well, okay. so everybody listening. It's- Perfect. And some other sensory ones are to like um, straws, like doing things with straws, whether it's blowing pieces of paper. Across a table or blowing bubbles in water, you know we're all taught like table manners. Don't don't blow bubbles in your milk, you know. So like maybe not at mealtime, but like build in that time to explore with. Mm-hmm. So that's been one thing that we kind of have done is exploring. If there's a a constant theme of like, ooh, let's not do that at the dinner table, or uh, you know, kind of trying, then we give an opportunity somewhere else to do that. So, you know, how fun before snack starts to get a cup and straws and to blow as many bubbles as you can in your drink, transition it out, snack has started, Drinks are for drink, give that, um, I don't know, make things not so taboo. So where, where can you do this? You know, um, and then this is the expectation now that that's done, it's all done. So that other just little simple magic things are sometimes, again, society tells us like clean up an activity before you move on. And that is very big. I want my kids to be able to clean up an activity, but sometimes things are going downhill so fast that that's going to be kind of the catalyst to no return. So sometimes it's the unexpected of, oh my gosh, we have a mess. We're going to have to clean this up. But before we do, who can run around the house three times the fastest or simple change of scenery? You know, we do a lot of, um, just going outside, um, you know, when all else fails, I always say when I really don't know what else to do, we go outside. Mm -hmm. Um, so anytime I'm just like, and whether that's in the rain, like we love rain walks, actually, um, two of my kids and I went on one last night and one of my nine-year-olds said to me, mom. I am going to forever remember how many rain walks we've taken. Um, And so we weren't gone that long, but it was great. We splashed in puddles. We had our umbrellas. The whole goal was to get wet. Um, Mm. And so you got to choose what was in your control was, did you want your, you know, your shoes to get wet? So we had our rain boots on. We had access to umbrellas and raincoats. But then every person got to choose their own experience. You know, did they want their clothes wet by really jumping in the puddles? Did they want their umbrella up? Did they want their raincoat zipped or unzipped? Um, So kind of little things like that too. Um, Also, we do a lot of obstacle courses. Um, Again, the idea of magic, none of them are extraordinary. Um, Sometimes they are like, In my adult brain, I'm like, oh, this is kind of bogus, but the kids love it because it's an element of, they don't know if I'm going to put the hula hoop out first or the ball. They don't know if they're going to hit the ball or they're going to kick the ball. They love it. So that's where I talk about those elements of magic, like, or snack, you know, snack can be so mundane or, you know, instead of calling it, you know, when they're like, what are we having for lunch? I'm like, it's a smorgasbord. Smorgasbord means it is literally the last like two or three things from the refrigerator. From the fridge, (laughs) but I put it. I have a tray we put it on, and we almost always have a picnic for a smorgasbord. Even if we can't Mm -hmm. go outside, if the weather doesn't, we throw a picnic down on our kitchen floor, living room floor, playroom floor. Um. So those are the little things. I mean, by magic, like what's a little mundane thing? And you don't have to go buy anything special for it, Mm -hmm. but um, bubble baths, eating a popsicle in the bathtub. Um, I love that. Yeah. That one I learned from someone too. And I was like, that's brilliant. (laughs) So go sit in the bathtub, eat your popsicle, and then you can get as sticky as you want. Um, And then you wash it off. That is cheap. Yeah, genius. And so I'm just thinking like all of these things and all you are just, oh my gosh, feeling I'm just like copiously (laughs) writing those here. Um, So many moments of magic um, that you have learned over the years and continue to learn. And so, but I think that it's, these are so many great things that I want everybody who's listening to this to go to this, to go back to our show notes and get this list. And have it just start to add your creativity. It doesn't have to be Pinterest perfect. Start with tiny ideas and try things out. And it's trial and error. And again, the music isn't going to always work. So have bubbles and have something else that is specific to your child. I think it's just honing your ability um, as a parent and as a Christian to be observed. What is working? What isn't working? Okay, if this isn't working, try something else. Um, and that's the one of the things that I always love encouraging families with specific music is that one song is a time. They're going to totally get over that song. And even though like for specific kids, like it's really important to have the repetition because it's going to be that musical cue, the auditory cue for them to, oh, this is the time to transition. And this is how long I have to get to the thing, uh, to the car and get buckled up. Sometimes that's really important. But eventually, that will become mundane. And if you've listened to one of our other podcasts about why we love music and why our brains, but if it becomes so mundane, that's why these surprises are so important. Because auditorily, but also visually and just our senses, if it's not um, just a little bit better than what we expect, it's going to be boring. And so, how to keep it challenging enough that it's not boring, but not too challenging. So what? Um, if you've heard us on here, Blythe Dossi has taught us this and Michelle Hardy, also in a, a seminar and workshop that I, we went through this last spring or summer with them is finding the, um, the just right fit for the just Ooh. right challenge, I think is what they find. So it's not too boring, but it's also not too challenging that you use them. It's sort of this, uh, diagram and so I'm going to provide that to you as well. So for clinicians, that's a really great thing as well as for parents for them to know, to keep that, you know, in all the mix. And so, um, I love that element surprise because it's just a little bit better than you, than your brain and your body expect. It's going to be more attention, um, grabbing. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I can't wait personally to see that diagram. I love stuff like that because I do think there's just that, right? Because I will say, you know, on the same element of surprise, I will also throw in the caveat that like, um, Will does not like surprises. And so it's this learning, you know, fun, but not a surprise. Like I would never come up behind him with like symbols. um, Or, you know, so it's, so I also do put that caveat that like, it's the element of surprise, but it's not like it's this big, like, surprise party but it's just kind of like mm-hmm. getting out of your silo you know like if you know yourself as a parent you know your triggers or you know something that like it's just like we all have mom phrases right like we all have mom phrases and and sometimes they're just not helpful so it's kind of learning ourselves and knowing like oh my gosh even though i want to say turn off the tv me saying, turn off the TV is going to spiral. Mm-hmm. So is it a parade out of the TV room? Is it a, mm-hmm. a you know, something. Yes. And so for me, I think of it as kind of adding magic. Is it, it helps me know what to say. So I don't say what I know, isn't going to be helpful. Um, that's kind of confusing. I don't know no. if that means at I all. I think but, that's you know, perfect. Kind of, like, yeah it kind of gives me, this is what we'll do. Um, And the other thing that's so big on my heart, um, and I talk about this a lot, and I know we already alluded that, you know, my sister's been on one. Um, I talk about this a lot with her. A big passion point of mine is, um, and I am not perfect at this. I just want to say this. And I'm saying this as a reminder as we go into summer. But also sometimes um, I think that, we get stuck in our roles of being kind of the leader. And so we expect the kids to follow like, hey, this is, you know, I need you in the car at 745 because we have to go to school and you will follow the directions to get into the car. Like, I think sometimes um we get so stuck in that, that I think it's really helpful to make sure that you're giving opportunities for all the kids. And I think this could be in a clinical setting too, Mm -hmm. to be the leader. So Mm -hmm. a big thing we do at our house too, if we're kind of getting stuck in that, is um, we have dance class. And dance class is five songs. And whatever the dance teacher does, we have to do. Um, We've also done this with music class. We've done this with teacher. Um, And so... Again, it kind of shifts that and lets people and lets lets our kids be the leaders. Yes. Um, lets our kids do that, you know, kind of help them have a little control and power. Mm-hmm. And so I look for a lot of opportunities in is this in my control or is this out of my control to build resiliency? Because so much of what happens in our days to adults, kids, it's really out of our control. But we want to try to control it, but we can't. I can't control if the computer is going to work for our Zoom or not. I can control the tools I do to restart it, to not get frustrated, to take three deep breaths. Um, so I look for a lot of opportunities for us to do that too. So by having, you know, say one of my daughters, Layla, is the teacher then that's giving her sometimes to step into that leadership and to lead all of us. Um, it can be done with, even if as a parent, even if you know how to draw a cat, but one of your kids comes home, really excited that they learned how to draw a cat at school. Ask them to teach you. Ask them to teach their way. Or, um, and I, I am a work in progress on this. Um, so I say this for myself just as much, but, um, sometimes, sometimes we learn a lot by being the student. Mm Um, and so I would also encourage, and I've had that said by therapists to Will before, like, man, he taught me so much in this session. Um, I think that sometimes when we all, all become students, that that's helpful for everyone too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, um, you know, the whole thing is, I love how you mentioned surprise, but not so surprised that it throws off the routine. So children thrive on routine. and, um, And, and so within the structure of the day, within the routine, where are there moments that you can have unstructured that, you know, exactly like the blowing bubbles, where is it okay to be a kid, like, where is it okay to do all of these things? And then, where is it okay that we need to get into the car? And we need to, you, know, you can choose however you want to get into the car, but you have this amount of time to do to get into the car. And that's what we're doing. That's the structure that you can act like an elephant, you can sound like an elephant, that you can make little <laughs> tiny little mousy steps, but. We have this much time to get to and let's see, you know, where somebody's the leader and we're all gonna follow Layla and how she does to get into to the thing. So I think that's such a great element. And again, it's just it's practice. It's it's trying things, If it's not working, it's learning. I mean, being a parent is being a student, it's, it's a student of your a student of your child, of child and of the environment, and all of it so so many wonderful nuggets molly oh my gosh i just i want i I want us to keep going because i (laughs) I, learned so much and this is the thing and you and i we literally can't talk we could ever give us a chai tea and the day is done like it's just right (laughs) little sunshine on our faces right as we kind of finalize and pull in this um conversation that we've had today, because I want to be respectful for your time and for our listeners. Is there any final nuggets that you like that's on your heart today to share um, for our listeners and for, you know, the world? Yeah, well, oh, thanks. Um, I think I'll give one more idea and one more kind of wrap-up point, because like you said, we could talk All day, and even as we're talking, I'm like thinking of more things. But I think, um, I think one thing I will say is that I think sometimes on transitions, whether it's leaving a park or going on a walk, and everyone gets tired. um, One really fun thing that we have found to kind of focus on is when when that gets to be a struggle, leaving somewhere, walking, and tired legs um, to play. Follow the leader because everybody is motivated to keep going because they want to be the leader so Mm -hmm. if it's on a walk then you know we get the parameter of hey when you reach the blue car Susie becomes the leader Sadie is our first leader you know and then it's kind of fun because everyone gets to do really silly movements and everybody is motivated and so the only kind of parameter on that is you may choose to not play But like, if you choose to not follow Sadie as the leader, that's fine. Then you're choosing not to play and won't have time to lead. So the motivation to be able to make everyone do something really silly or something is usually good motivation that everyone wants to play. So that would be my final kind of uh, tidbit. Um, And to make sure everybody gets a chance also. I love that. Like that's an element of that where it's like, Oh, I didn't get to be the leader today. And now I'm not, I'm going to sit down because I'm so mad, but if they know they're going to get a chance to that's yes, really, then that's it gets them element. to the yeah. blue car because then yep. it's going to be their turn. And a lot of times, um, again, we add a lot of movement and music are a lot of elements and breath work. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked about that at all, but, um, deep breaths are a big uh-huh. one. We need a whole podcast on just that. Uh, We need to do a whole podcast on that. Um, Perfect. It's kind of organically. We've talked about other things, Mm -hmm. but um, it's really fun too, because um, a lot of times we'll do it's movement, but then it's also singing and singing silly songs or call and response. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's a great way you can really incorporate lots of things. So again, kind of even in the clinical setting um, Follow the leader can be a great, great motivator. And that's exactly what I sing, Kristen, <laughs> as we transition into it. My kids to like, "Oh, here we go!" But I like we just it. break you know, out in song. So okay. yeah, don't be. Allowed. Yep, that's just what I do, and I usually do a little like I don't know, little dance yeah. with it. Um, so. So that would be my last kind of tool. I mean, I, my brain is popping up more, but, um, I just really am passionate about ones that are really easy to do, you know, yes. just ones that literally like, you know, the grab bag, You've, we've all got stuff in our car. So just throw something in there. Uh, it can be pennies. It can be dimes. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm just really big on like, how can we just in the moment really think of a tool and use it? Um, and I think the other thing I would close on is I think so many times, um, I will only speak personally, although I'm sure others can identify, I think so many times I'm so focused on what everybody needs around me. Um, I alluded to this, that, you know, there I was in preterm labor and was really making that, Ah, oh, this is fine. This is what must happen. Um, I think so many times we're so focused on the needs around us um, that we forget we have our own needs. And so for shepherding and stewarding kids, clients, um, it all really begins with our own regulation. Because the times that I have had my not proud moments of parenting, the times I've not arrived how I want to arrive, usually is I'm coming from a really dysregulated place yeah. and I don't have any regulation for them to borrow from. So I always, I love things that like, we will do anything for a tool belt for our kids, but I love it when really the adult benefits just as much. And we know that from research that co regulation is, it is a primary. when we're talking about um, really shepherding our clients and you know guiding and leading assisting our families and um that's so anytime as clinicians we can give even a little bit of like a a regulation strategy or little um tip for our for our parents Mm -hmm. uh that they can use to remind them to be regulated when they're reminding children to be regulated like those are things that we can provide as clinicians that are going to be simple within the framework of the family that everybody can do so everybody is moving down on the you know closer to regulation Molly thank you so much for sharing your heart today this has been beautiful and thank you for having me and um yeah I'm just so passionate about how how just to take the daily mundane Mm -hmm. and see the beauty in that And acknowledge the heart in that, Um, you know, I just think it's, it's both and, and you have to have both the rainstorm and the sun to get the rainbows.
0: Rainbows. Molly is a rainbow in this world. And I am so glad that you got to hear her heart and all the wonderful tools that she gave moms, parents, and us all as clinicians. Until next time, friends. Thanks. For show notes and resources in today's
1: episode and all episodes, head to our website, musictherapyandbeyond.com. Reach out to us at musictherapyandbeyond at gmail.com and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all the content and announcements. We'll see you next time.